So it was my job to get to know them and to promote them in the best way I possibly could. Now, there are certainly ones that I love more than others. Like that is just the nature of any relationship, right? Just same with media people. Like I loved working with the media, but some are way worse than others. And so that's how I always felt about art. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. invite you guys back here inside of our studios at WNFC radio show Sebi podcast radio show myself and my ride partner Michael Gray at helm with us today man it's been a great week my ride partner Michael how you been my brother uh, I've been doing well I've been doing very good a lot of good sports I'm, I'm glad to see you back in the sports time I'm doing great man how about yourself and we're doing good we're doing good man we're doing good over here too it's good to be back it's starting to get the swing of things right here in the East Coast, right? A lot of things are opening up out there in the West Coast. They're still on shutdown, but it's good to be back. Health and wealth. So uh, that's all we can be blessed for. Absolutely. Absolutely there uh, for sure with us today. My man, um, it's, it's been a crazy world in the sports world. You know what's crazy? I was looking at it earlier today. I'm reading this book called... Um, the Power of Being Broke by Damon John, a very good book. Mm-hmm. I actually recommend people to li- listen, uh, read it too. Um, and if, for those who don't know who Damon John is, he's the top shark from um, Shark Tank that used to air on ABC mm-hmm. with Mark Cuban and all those guys. And it, it's a very enlightened book, book as well. And he basically got notarized and got big off of FUBU, the FUBU brand. And that stands for obviously for us and bias. And talks about his trials and errors and how become a young entrepreneur from the inner cities uh, areas in Queens, New York. And it's just an instrumental thing. And he had a thing that stood out to me, Mike. It, it said, perception is what you see, but reality is what you get. And it, it stood out to me. I was just like, man, you know, for all these cats out there, we're not to name our names, but they already started a chicken place at Louisville, uh, or, or what was it? Or uh, Lou, Lou Williams, Lou Willville? Yeah. Is that what it was called? Lou, Lou Willville, yeah. <laughs> Lou Willville. <laughs> it just had me thinking, you know, all the cats that are in the bubble, but that are um, acting up. Like, we got guys like Matthias Thiebel and Tobias hanging out. And, you know, it's just it's one thing that they say, man, perception is everything. And so that's something that you can never have. I, I just thought that was interesting to start off tonight. With. Yeah, no, it definitely is interesting, you know. But, um, you know, with, with everything that's going on in the bubble, you you knew it was going to be, you know, some ramblings and some some complications with guys being able to stay in one spot for a very long, long period of time when everybody's not used to it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that a majority of the players have shown a complete discipline on the majority of the coaching staffs and have shown a complete discipline and focus. And, um, you know, we're not, we're not going to let a few mistakes from, from a couple of players really, really um, shine a bigger light than the fact that you see a majority of these players are really showing contrition and really, you know, locking in on the fact that, hey, we have to stay in this bubble 
and, and we have to do our thing. So shout shouts out to those guys, and you know, for guys like Lou Williams and others, I'm sure that you know. It, at the same time, you know, I understand the, what they were trying to do, but you know, when you're thinking about the whole and the group, you know, it's it's just it just wasn't a smart move. Right, right. I just thought it was funny how the tension between him and Perkins was was kind of funny. At yeah, the, yeah. You, stuff like that. <laughs> I thought that was actually <laughs> funny. He brought out, you know, 15 years as a veteran. That's the only thing you guys can uh, reprimand me about. So that, I thought that was quite funny too. Yeah, about it as well, but. A lot of things to talk about since we started off with the bubble. Um, we'll start off with our first segment today. As you guys previously heard, our newest sponsor, Opulent Inventory, Nashley and Guardian, those guys are great. In fact, if you want somebody that is the plug for Apple, they are the gang. 20% off promo code podcast gets you the Apple product you want. We're talking trade-ins. We're talking uh, uh, AirPods to Apple Watches to Apple TV, whatever you want. I even got mine, Mike. Whatever you guys want. Opulent Inventory is the guys for you guys. And that's who we'll start off today. We'll start off, obviously, with what's going on. That's on Brink tonight. Pelicans, Jazz. We haven't had, obviously, basketball for nearly four months, Mike. Um, And we got, obviously, the dandy with the Lakers and the Clippers tonight. What should we expect? And I want to get your picks and why. Oh, wow. So so first, we're going to go Jazz Pelicans, right? Well, Jazz, right. Jazz, Jazz Pelicans, man, this is this is going to be a very interesting matchup because you have this young Pelican squad who actually had – I'm very intrigued to see because, you know, early on in the season before Zion was 100% healthy, they had a chance to mesh together without Zion. So the, the, the fact that Zion is not in the bubble and is not here with them right now is not a huge shock to them because they already have some experience uh, throughout the season playing with, with uh, without him. And then you have a Utah Jazz team who just started to really come into form before the uh, coronavirus had hit, and they, they, they just look like a well-oiled machine. That that one-two combination, say what you want about whatever was going on off the court, that one-two pick-and-roll combination between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, even in these uh, few games we've seen in the scrimmages, has shown to be very lethal. And, and the combination of the two, it, it gives them a very uh, tough chance in the Western Conference um, as, for, as far as how lethal everybody is. So... With that being said, this is going to be an interesting matchup of a, a little bit more experienced veteran team versus a younger squad that's on the rise with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and those guys. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans with the speed tonight to pull the upset and win this game. Uh, for the second game, uh, the game that everybody wants to see, the game that everybody's been talking about, the the matchup that everybody wants I, I to see. I think this is the matchup everybody's oh, been waiting for throughout uh, they, 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 right. They've been just salivating over it. And because we've been without basketball for four and a half months, it's made people want it even more, Sebi. And this is matchup right here. I understand that the Clippers are going to be a little, a little, um, are going to be the underdogs in this game because they're undermanned. You know, Montrezl Harrell had to visit, had to leave the bubble for private matter. Patrick Beverly is on self quarantine for uh, for a little bit. We don't know if he's going to be eligible to play. And then obviously Lou Williams got put on the ten day quarantine because of going to Magic City. So it's uh, it, it's uh, it, it's possible to be a under a very undermanned Clippers team against the Lakers squad. You know, it's the first game, first official game where everybody's going to be hyped. You know, everybody's going to be ready to go and. I expect it to be a very tight game, but I, I expect the Lakers to come out on top in this game. I just think the Clippers right now with, with the injuries and not, not even just the injuries, the players that are not playing as far as some of their top players and key players, I have the Lakers winning this game just, just being a little bit more healthy. And I think they set the tone for, for what's to come, you know, just right now. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Pelicans to beat the Jazz, and then I'm going to go with the Lakers to beat the Clippers tonight. Right. I think that's a great way to start off the NBA, the cast TNT, talking about they got new guys now. You got Lekfo with D. Wade and Shaq, and I, I think it's a cool cool cast they have on hand. Uh, but I'm also going to agree with you. I'm going with the Pelicans tonight as well, and I, I saw Zion Williamson is in a lineup, and he is playing. So I get oh, anger on my – I get Lonzo Ball. I get, um, you know, Drew Holiday as players because I always try to think of if they double Zion – where are your second and, and secondary and third options going to come from? And I, I just like the makeup of Alvin Gentry's team. Uh, I, I'm not too sure about the the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell matchup. I think that's a marriage that's, you know, needs that's going through counseling right now. But nevertheless, they can still put up numbers. But I think this is going to be a close game. I think Zion, Lonzo, Drew, and Brandon Ingram is the difference maker late. It's going to be a close game. But I've got the Pelicans. And then, of course, for the same things you mentioned, 
I think we both got the Clippers coming out of the West, but for tonight, I'm yeah. rolling with the Lakers as well. Right. Just because uh, I think the Lakers right now, they've bought in to what LeBron James is telling them. I, I think they know this is a business trip. Everybody's bought into the quarantine and abided by the rules. You see on the court, you see guys, they've got their horses with them, Mike. Oh, yeah. You've got Kuzma healthy back. You've got guys like uh, Dwight Howard and, and, and these new key pieces like Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith coming off the bench. They know their roles now. They know that they don't need to be the guy. They don't need to come in and start jacking up jump shots. So I, I think they set the tone tonight. Um, I know Anthony Davis a little bit nicked up, but I look for LeBron James to set the tone, Mike. I look for him to set the tone early and often, and I got the Lakers winning again tonight um, to kind of tie that series up, and that would make them six and a half games up on the second-place Clippers, and that should probably wrap up the West. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even realize that Zion was, was mentioned in the lineup today. So, but, but him, with Zion being in the lineup, that, that, that gives me even more confidence in my pick that the Pelicans are going to win because you see how fast this team is, Sebi. With, with the Zion in the lineup added to the mix, this team just run, is a run-and-gun fast team. They're young. They're motivating. Like you said, Alvin Gentry has done a great job molding these guys, and they've all bought into his system and how, he, how he's running things. And you're right, but with with everything going on right now, it's just uh, – I expect Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and those guys to show up and do their thing because that's what the Clippers are made of. But, but tonight, I just think they're too undermanned. I just think the Lakers, you know, right now, um, are, like you said, are locked in. LeBron James is ready to go. Anthony Davis, I know he's going through the the, the eye soreness thing, but at the same time, he's going to be ready to go. He's going to be locked in. And then because Montrez Harold is Montrez Harold is not down there in the paint to get real physical with him and to force him to have to uh, uh, dominate in a, a different way. I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Davis to have a huge game in this game and uh, the Lakers to win as well. Yeah, if I agree with that. We'll stick quickly here uh, with the bubble. A couple of teams that stood out to your eyes, Mike. Obviously, we talked last week about Denver uh, catching our eyes, but probably the team we're going to talk about tonight um, with, with our next guest here. We won't say the name yet, but the Dallas Mavericks, to me, obviously, we know before the break, the Dallas Mavericks had the number one ranked offense in the NBA, led by, obviously, <laughs> Luka Magic himself. Luka Doncic, the second year, man, only averaging my 29.99 yeah. uh, in what he's done in just, obviously, in a two-year span. But Dallas, you look at their roster, everybody can shoot from above the arc. They've got centers, forwards. Obviously, the guard play is a, exceptional as well, and they're coached well by Carlisle, but Dallas has caught my attention too, and I think they're a team that could probably make some noise and maybe a live dog to kind of win all of this in the West. And so um, that that's a team to really keep an eye out for sure. And then um, I'm going to go quickly here in the East, Mike. I, I think the, the Raptors are starting to get disrespected. They, they're obviously, they're the reigning defending champions. They know that Kawhi Leonard played a huge role in winning the title for them last year, but they, in a certain way, they feel that, you know, it wasn't just Kawhi. We, we have a squad that helped Kawhi win that ring. People tend to forget this team went 17-5 and five in 22 games last year, which Kawhi Leonard sat out. So I, I think this team has a chip on their shoulder. They get Gasol and Ibaka healthy back. Um, they get a couple guys that was banged up. I think Chris Boucher was banged up as well. So I see the Raptors right in that mark where the Bucks and the Celtics are in the East, and I wouldn't be surprised if they make another postseason run. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about the Toronto Raptors. You know, when you go through that championship experience, if you've gone through all the, the trials and tribulations that it takes to win a championship, you come into you come into the following season with a new level of confidence. Even though your superstar player, Kawhi Leonard, was not there, the the, uh, the, the play of some of your your other stars on the team has risen and, and it gives others an opportunity to to flourish and, sh- and show their true abilities. And that's exactly what we've seen from guys like Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Marcus Saul, Kyle Lowry is stepping, is, even stepped his game up. Well, these, like, did the way this team is veteran leadership and it's, 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 just, it's just championship experience across the board from the coaching staff all the way to the players. And you can see this team, like you said, you know, any given against any given team in the Eastern Conference can really give them trouble, trouble, and really give them um, some go. And uh, you're, right, you're right. I agree that the, the Toronto Raptors are one of the top teams I'm looking out for. Yeah, I'm glad you brought them up. The Milwaukee Bucks are one of the teams I'm looking at. Giannis looks like he's ready and poised for a big time run. From what I've seen, he just 
And I'm not gonna lie to you, uh, Sebi. That, that's the Eastern Conference since we since we in the West. Um, Sebi, can somebody tell James Harden we're just in scrimmage play? Uh, with this, <laughs> this scrimmage, man, I mean, the, the numbers he's putting yeah. up is ridiculous. Sebi, Sebi, against the win against the Celtics the other day, he had 30 at halftime. Oh, yeah. man, yeah. He's, He's putting, he's, yeah, he, 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 it's safe to say he's in midseason yeah, form. And, absolutely. And we talked about it last week, Mike. The Rockets are the one team <laughs> that can blow this thing yep. open because James Harden in an open gym environment where it, it there's no crowd so he can hear if anybody's ready to trap. He can hear where all the defensive assignments is coming towards him. I think this is the guy that if he gets hot, look out. Oh, my goodness. You have no idea. And then, and then on top of that, He's, he's, he looks motivated. He looks hungry. He looks like he's lost some weight, and he looks quicker and faster out there as, as if he didn't have to look at, you know, any, anymore. But, you know, I just think him dominating like that scoring-wise is going to free up Russell Westbrook to do his thing. And it just it just opens up so much opportunity for them and because, because, you know, as as well as, as as much as they shoot the three-point, three-pointer, if they can knock down shots, like you said, they're, they're just they're, – they're, they're that one team in the Western Conference that can blow the whole thing open. And – um. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to say Memphis as well. Uh, John Morant, he looks like not, a, not it's not it's not even the fact that John Morant, you know, is, is is picking up where he left off throughout the regular season, but you're seeing his maturity as um, evolve as as the games go on, as the days go on, because not only he he's not, he's not looking like that young reckless. I'm doing I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. Um, I'm free out there player. He's actually game managing and controlling the pace of the game. And that's something that, as a rookie, you know, you don't you don't see as much. But he's starting to mature in front of our very eyes and manage the game at a di- on a different pace. And I think that is going to elevate his game. And when we when we get to playoff action, it's going to be very interesting to see how good this how far this Memphis team can go. They could scare somebody in the playoffs. It was the Jamal Adams acquisition for the Seattle Seahawks? Obviously, we believe this is a team that in Russell Wilson's eighth season entering right now is built for a title. Um, winning one in his second season, going to another in his third yeah. season. But they've kind of been rather pedestrian the last four or five years. But now they got horses now. You talk about Dunbar in the secondary. You bring in a Jamal Adams. You got, you bring in Greg Olson and also a couple speedsters like Philip Dorsett to complement some of the younger guys like Lockett. I think, you know, we could probably be looking at an 11 or 12 win team and the Seattle Seahawks, and potentially another title run under Pete Carroll. So what do you make of this? I, I Personally, oh, I think that, you know, that the Seattle Seahawks gave up a lot, and it was a very expensive uh, transaction to try to get. Uh, you talk about one of the all-pro and one of the best safeties all around in the game. It came at a price, but if this pans out, I you see know, it as a very Hawks big time possibility, Sebi, because you're hoisting another Lombardi of, trophy. Jamal Adams got picked up, you know, as very young going into, you know, his best years. He still has has room to improve and get better, even from what we've already seen. And I think that's the best part about it. The fact that he's still young, the fact that he's still maturing and evolving into the player that he wants to be. You got him at a great time. And on top of that, this Seattle Seahawks team is poised for a championship run under Russell Wilson, who's in the prime of his career. You know, Russell Wilson has shown over the last few years and beyond the how he improves as a, as a player and has shown that, you know, he has literally turned this team from when he got drafted, a defensive team, to this team is basically built around Russell Wilson. He's that one guy, if you build, if you put the pieces around him, he's shown you he can take, he's good enough, he can take you there to the promised land. And, you know, he, he uh, the Seattle team is ready and poised. Jamal Adams is one of those guys that, you know, he can play back and say he can cover, he can, uh, he can hit. He can come down in the box and play linebacker. He can come down and blitz on run packages and things of that nature. He's a hybrid safety that can play all over the place, and uh, he's he's one of those lethal threats that really turns your defense from a a, a a solid defense to an elite defense based on what what the other pieces that are around you. And when you look at the the mentality of the Seattle team, it's not even just the players that they have; it's the mentality that's bred from guys like that are still there, like Bobby Wagner, a Cage Bright. Uh, just veteran leadership that have won Super Bowls, that, that have been there before, that have done that, and that have solidified themselves as top players at their right. positions in this league. When you look at when you put all those pieces together and you add a young Jamal Adams who's hungry and ready to prove why he's he's in elite safety in this league, why if you put him in a, in a certain position uh, uh, to succeed, he can flourish and, and, and bring the best out of him, that 
every everything falls into place for the Seattle team. So, yes, they gave up a lot, but it was in the perfect situation. And I see this team going on a championship run for the next couple of years. Agree with you, Mike. I definitely 100% with you. The Pacific Northwest, yeah. also the 12th man is back. You remember once upon a time, they used to win games and, and they used to win division titles and going to the Super Bowl with that Legion of Boom defense. It's safe to say oh, yeah. now that that whole narrative of Russell Wilson as a game manager, there's no question right now he's a game changer and obviously one of the best players in football for sure, Mike. So there is no question and no doubt about that in our minds whatsoever because, I mean, this guy, Russell Wishing, is just special, special on his own. But, of course, that wraps it us here for, for our segment here. And as promised, our featured guest for tonight, Sarah Melton, joins us. And we are back here on our second segment here on the show, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming in all platforms worldwide. As promised, we have our next guest, and my next guest today is a former vice VP for basketball operations for the Dallas Mavericks. An interesting story, kind of like a nomad is what I consider her. Miss Sarah Melton is here with us today. I'm not even going to try to uh the married the, name the yeah, other no <laughs> the other name yeah the married name is kind of yes. kind of hard to to pronounce um but I'm great thank you, you. How are you I love my husband a bit but I kept Melton with for my um my work name when we got married in 2014 I was like I love you but I'm not going to spell Schwartz and Drooper all day long when I spill out my email so I understand <laughs> your reservations to pronounce it yeah, yeah it, it is a bit of a tongue twister uh, there for sure. Um, awesome. So obviously, you know, we're in unfamiliar times right now. How have you I'm been going well. on throughout um, quarantine? I feel like I had a, a head start on like a slower paced life because um, I retired from the Mavs in December <laughs> after 20 years. And so I was ready to figure out like my take some time and figure out the next kind of steps and then COVID happened and then everything is you know put on hold so I feel like I got a couple months of you know trying to ease into this new um, lifestyle and pace and um, so I might have been a little bit more adjusted than everybody else um, but it's it's definitely hard there's no doubt about it yeah there's no doubt about it there for sure I feel like this is the new wave now where social distancing everything is the online you got zoom meetings you have um via calls there's no more that indirect yeah. personal yeah. relations anymore and it, to try to to try to alleviate um this obviously this kind of hidden and hidden disease that's kind of plagued all of us here so it's 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 an it interesting sure is. i mean it's a real um mental and psychological obstacle emotional everything you know for everybody whether you're you know you're just chilling out or you're working full-time or you're raising a family or or whatever your circumstances are i mean everybody's affected in, in some way or another um, because of this and it is really sad um you know not to to interact with friends family loved ones you know colleagues um you know, coworkers, it's just such a bizarre time in all of our lives. And, um, it makes you miss, um, it makes you miss things that you never thought you'd miss. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I, I wanted to know, you know, being, being with uh, the Dallas Mavericks, you know, for 20 years, being that close to, Mark Cuban, we all see how, you know, how much of an outgoing personality he has from afar. Like, just, just, talk, just talk to me about, like, how, how the, the Mark Cuban that you know being around here for so long. Well, I um, had the 
the interesting um, fortune of getting to the Mavs like six months before he bought the team. So I got to see um, an interesting perspective of how the team was once owned. And then when Mark took over and, you know, just from, from an outside perspective um, as a fan, not even like, you know, within the team, like I had the vantage point of like, you could see how much um, he had like direct um, influence in every little decision that the team made from our travel and our hotels and our locker room and um, just the care that the guys, the the athletes got. Um, He did everything he could to make that a place that, um, free agents would want to come and that our fans would and games and he really like transformed our organization um, right from the start and so my job um, as the communications um, director and vice president I worked hand in hand mm-hmm. with him all the time and I loved that he was so accessible um, that was my favorite thing about Mark. If I needed to talk to him, I could text him or email him at any time of the night. And that made my job um, so much easier. Now, he is a walking headline, and that part of, of my job was always difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. He can't stay off his phone. That, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's, like, that's always been like a thing with Mark. I he's got 48 hours in one day not 24 you know he just like he's constantly connected um and that you know that was always interesting for me to like how do I balance you know having a real life and this job that is kind of a 24-7 job um and I would feel all this guilt and anxiety if in the middle of the night I had a text or an email from him at like four in the morning and when I would wake up and I would see it and there was already like responses and stuff, I was just like, wow, okay, am I really supposed to be paying attention to my, my emails when I'm in the, in the middle of dead sleep? Like, that's how I felt because he was always sending messages and keeping up with like whatever was going on um, in the sports world. So at that part of it is it's like a blessing and a curse, right? Like nobody is more connected than Mark and you just have to keep up with that with him it's part of the job yeah it's definitely part of the job for sure i, I want uh, people to hear your story it's it's i rather hear them from you than from me but it's a unique story you got out of college young girl out of the state of indiana from a small town not knowing this and i think this is great for a lot of you know beginners that are just like journalists that are just getting their foot on the door not knowing what they wanted to do when you just take this leap of faith and fly south to Dallas and to a whole nother city, a whole nother town that you're not aware of, have no peers at all um, to obviously what is now today. Can you explain to us about sure. that story? Yeah, and how I went to Indiana from? University and I um, got involved in what was called media relations or sports communications and um, it, within the university. And so I worked with all of our college athletes um in that in the office there was like six student assistants um while I was in school and I was fortunate to have a guest speaker my freshman year of college that talked about being the director of the department and you know that he always wanted to work in sports and this was something they could do work with the athletes and the media and you know he had this knack of like remembering stats and interesting little tidbits on on athletes like you know their height and their weight and how many points they average and just kind of random nonsense and I was listening to him as a student and I was like this is what I want to do holy cow I had no idea that a job like this existed and so I (laughs) harassed the hell out of this guy and called and emailed him for months until he finally agreed to um, interview me to be a student assistant in the in the sports information office, and um, and hired me. And so from my sophomore, junior, and senior year, um, I worked with our college athletes, and all of us obviously worked men's basketball and and football. But then we got assigned to um, promote different um, different teams. So like I worked with men's and women's swimming and baseball and softball and our men's soccer team who won two national championships when I was there. Um, and you know, a little of every, I mean, a little tennis, volleyball, like you name it, like we've all got to do, um, 
promote those teams. And then upon graduation, one of my bosses that I worked with at Indiana came down to Dallas to be the, the public relations director, the communications director for the team and asked me to come down to as an intern. And so I literally packed up everything, you know, that I, all my possessions and like drove down to Dallas, um, not knowing anybody but my boss. And, um, and the rest is kind of history. I mean, I literally worked for the organization um, for 20 years and just kind of worked my way up from an intern to a co- coordinator, to a manager, to a director, and then a vice president um, and managed the department of two other people and a game night staff of 30. Um, and I was the, the main liaison between the team and the media. Um, and so it's, it was a, you know, I look back with, you know, a lot of pride and, and humility and gratitude. And I feel very fortunate um, to have held a job that I, I, you know, was so excited about as a, as a student, I got to do the career that, you know, was my dream for a long time. Yeah, yeah, no right. doubt, sir. Yeah, right there, for sure. The, Go ahead, man. That time when you said you first left Indiana, you first packed up, packed up everything, and came to Texas, and you took that leap of faith for yourself. Uh, talk about that moment. And so, uh, um, was it you know were you homesick or you know how how was that experience of being out in a whole different place and literally no, not knowing anybody and having to network with a whole different bunch of different people. Well, it's, it's daunting. I mean, I think about that girl, like who I was then 23, you know, and I'm so proud of her. And I think I had a lot of things happening in my life. Um, personally, I had just lost my mom, um, when I was 19. Right, yeah, Thank yeah. you. Condolences yeah, to you. So I think because of her death, it gave me some, my parents had, had been divorced when I was younger and, um, I, I was very connected to my mom. And when she died, I felt like part of me had this freedom that I, I never would have known. Um, and so I probably would have stayed a lot closer to home if she was living. Um, but because of her death, like I, I knew that I could do or go anywhere and I wanted to, and she really encouraged my sister and I to, you know, not settle in Indiana and just go and live and do. And so, the opportunity presented itself and I, I took it like wholeheartedly and I never looked back. I just was like, this is it. I got a job in sports. This is amazing. Like I was so excited and I knew that if I needed to ever come back home, you know, or come back to Indiana, like I could, it's always there. And so when I talk to students, um, especially people just kind of starting out in their careers, no matter what they're doing, like I always try to stress, like take the opportunity that's presented. It's there for a reason, you know, and if you don't leap on it, you know, somebody else will, and they'll have that story, you know, mm-hmm. don't pigeonhole yourself into a, a certain I don't know, a certain town or a team or a city, um, just go where the opportunity is. And like, I was, I was so fortunate, um, to get a job in professional basketball. I wanted to work in the NBA, but I would have gone anywhere or any sport. And like the Mavs in 1999, when I moved to Dallas, they were terrible. Like they were horse, you know what? And so I like, (laughs) I knew like I got a job and I didn't care what the heck the team was like. I just was so excited for the opportunity, you know, like you can't work in sports and and expect to win all the time. Exactly. Uh, You can't, there's just too many games and too many unknowns. And, um, and, and listen, I am fortunate. It's it's a sacrifice. You do it because you love it. Um, you love the pace of it. You love the excitement of it, the unknown of it, like that's sports. And so I graciously, you know, um, accepted all of that, taking a job like this. And, you know, fortunately for, for me and Mavs fans and all my coworkers, like we really turned the corner in, um, 2000, 2001, we ended up being like one of the worst teams in the NBA, if not the worst in the nineties to in the early two thousands, like riding this huge wave of success and making it to the NBA finals in 06 and then winning, the finals in 11. So I was really lucky to see a team turn um, a total, you know, 360 into like one of the best teams. And I, 
was fortunate enough to get to promote um, all of our athletes and our coaches and um, and our owner during that time. Yeah. Right. Definitely there for sure. So here on the show, you know, we want all the tea. All right. We're not sure about any other network, but we want all the tea, Sarah. So obviously over 20 seasons that you've covered the Mavs, there had to be, you know, things that happened in the locker room. We know that obviously Mark is a headache in his own, but um, you, you know, you hear some of the scandals about mm-hmm. the DeAndre Jordan thing in 2014 to uh, Dirk and some of his teammates like Marquise Daniels not getting uh, along in the locker room to uh, the Devin Harris situation and, and Rondo. We, we, won't, we don't want to name state names here, but how did you take that with your role? Is it like on a case-to-case basis on everything? Because I know there had to be a lot. Oh, of yeah, sure. I mean, it's impossible like all those things you said, I'm like, did Marquise and Dirk not get along? I didn't know that. Like, it's just like, I mean, I love Marquise Daniels, and obviously I worked with Dirk for 20 years. So, um, but yeah, no, listen, the, every locker room is like a melting pot of personality and ego and pride. And, you know, it, they all come from like every different direction and place and religion and country and so like I loved that about sports like I am a people person by nature and I was fascinated to walk into a place that was not like a homogenous society loved and thrived on the different personalities and the different you know like layers to each one of these athletes and so it was my job to get to know them and to promote them in the best way I possibly could now there are certainly ones that I love more than others like that is just the nature of any relationship right just same with media people like I loved working with the media but some are way worse than others and so that's how I always felt about our our guys I was super fortunate that we didn't have a ton of a ton of knuckleheads in our locker room we always had, you know, very professional um, players, and a lot of times they followed suit with um, our captains, our leaders on the team, which were people like Michael Finley um, and Steve Nash early on, and Dirk, obviously. Um, and then later we had Jason Kidd and Jason Terry, um, and so because those guys don't have. Um, huge personalities where they're like overtly um I don't know proud or egotistical or like they boast and about themselves like everybody kind of fell into line on our our successful teams like they're they put all those personalities and egos aside and played a team ball and that's why we look at 2011 we had you know Tyson Chandler was on that team Sean Marion like all these guys are all-star caliber guys And they all worked um, so seamlessly with each other. And I was lucky enough to, like, get to, um, you know, work with with players like that that were, like, climbing the NBA ranks in every possible statistic. Like, that was so amazing. You just don't get teams um, like that all the time. So, yeah, there are constant situations. And I had to put out more fires than I – even one of them to think about um, every season I think oh I'm not gonna have like it's been there done that it's Groundhog's Day you know like I've seen it all heard it all and then something else happens I mean like we had Lamar Odom on our team um for the first year like after he left the Lakers and he was married to Chloe then and so like we had the Kardashians you know like situation they had a show that they were filming like every year I just laughed I'm like seriously I never would have thought it would get any different or crazy <laughs> or whatever. So, I mean, we had sexual harassment scandals. We had Dirk was linked up with a girl that was like a con artist and had 14 aliases as one wanted by different states. I mean, like, you oh, just uh, don't no, know oh, wow. what you're going to get. And so, yes, I mean, every year it's like, um, you know, some some sort of thing will come out of out of the the air out of nowhere you know and we're we're forced to have to deal with it and i i always thrive at like the busyness and the crisis communications that come um but for the most part an a season is you know 
pretty status quo, 82 games, 41 home, 41 road. You know, we practice days, shoot around days. We do all of our media activities after every practice and shoot around and then before and after every game. And so it looks the same, but then every year there's some fireworks that, that happen in between those those days. Right. Oh, right. Man, you might have got the inside scoop, Mike, about you know <laughs> about things right with the Kardashians and uh, oh man, you know, <laughs> with Dirk and everything. But I, I want to attribute to this, and I think Mike can as well. Um, when you have a leader like a, a Dirk Nowitzki, that's such a, a, a franchise player and who's the cornerstone pillar of a of a unit. I think that you know the guys that are knuckleheads or or, or just the guys that they galvanize around sure. that and they look up to that. So I think you, you look at the standards of an MJ or a Tim Duncan, who's been with the same team for such a long time, you know, those guys, obviously they, they were held at a standard. And I thought that, you know, they looked up to Dirk yeah. because they knew his standards and they knew his yeah. work ethic and in the locker room and the work that he put in behind closed doors. And so I, I thought that sure. that could attribute. And there's to no well. doubt about it. I mean, like when we won in 2011, like all sorts of, you know, um, opportunities are presented that aren't just like normal interviews. Like you're not sitting down with like the Dallas Morning News. I mean, it's like the Today Show and the Tonight Show and things like that. And, you know, the whole team got together and I was like, what do you guys want to do? Um, and Dirk was like, I don't want to do anything that my team isn't going to do with me. And he could have gone off on his own and done all the late night shows and, you know, been like this one man um, marketing guy, you know, and like promote himself and his brand and whatever. And he's just not that type. And so, you know, he, all of our players, a lot of times just kind of fell along those same lines. Dirk wasn't ever really like craving the spotlight, even though it was on him. Um, And that was a nice balance, um, I think, in our locker room. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sure. def- yeah, for definitely, sure. sir. Yeah. I, I I noticed that as well. And, and talk to me about this new age Dallas Mavericks team now with Luka Doncic right now, as they're presently stated with Chris Porzingis and everything that we see we see going on. You know, Luka was getting a lot of hate in in the media when he first got drafted. And I want to say hate, but people, it was a lot of unknown as far as how sure. uh, how how uh, how good he could be. Could he feel in in the Dirk's footsteps, assuming he would retire soon? Talk to me about what you've seen from Luca so far, and do you possibly see a, a dynamic duo for years to come with a Luca Doncic and a Kristaps Porzingis? Well, I mean, that's the hope. Um, <laughs> so I was there for Luca's rookie year, the year um, that Dirk retired, and so to see the sort of like passing of the torch was pretty remarkable. I mean, like this doesn't happen often where you can see like one chapter ending and another one beginning like right before your eyes and so it was pretty cool to to be a part of something like that and I think that Luca I mean he surprised himself even like I remember having um, discussions with his team like his agent and um, some of the marketing people on his team and they suspected or they had hoped um or planned that his his rookie or his sophomore year, his second year was going to be the year where he like really came on the scene, and it really wasn't. It was his rookie year. Like he he started with a huge bang and um, came out of the gates like red hot, and people were like, "Wow, I guess we missed out on on this guy," you know. And so the Mavs were super pumped that draft because we moved up, we made a a draft trade to move up into the draft to draft him. Like that was our hope all along. And so when they pulled off the trade and we actually drafted him, like our draft room like erupted in cheers. Like they were so proud and happy that this was going to be our guy. So they had their, their sights set on him. And then, you know, the rest is, is all Luca. He is, um, he is such a nice, funny, humble kid and he knows he's good that's the thing that Dirk and him differed like I knew Dirk early on in his career too and Dirk was so shy and like afraid to talk to anybody he kind of just was a sponge and like soaked in all of his surroundings um he 
he didn't like boast about how he was good or you know he was nervous like he was just a strange awkward person like Luca isn't boasting that he's good but he knows he's good he knows how to play it to the crowd he knows how to play it to his teammates and guys like playing with him that's the thing that's so cool like he's making it fun for everybody around him he's an excellent teammate so it's really cool to see you know how he's developing and then to add somebody like Kristaps in, you know, that can be a one, two punch. Hopefully, you know, that's what we made a trade um, on rookie or Lucas rookie year. And we traded four of our five starters in order to get Kristaps and make room on our books for his contract. And right now everything looks good that that's going to be the, the future, you know, um, for the maps. I hope that it, it, that it is like, Mavs fans got spoiled with a guy that played 21 seasons for one team. Right. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen right. ever, doesn't like hardly ever. So, you know, they all have all these hopes that Luca's going to be that guy for, you know, decades. And I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Like, it's just a different time in sports right. where people don't stay with the same team forever. So I hope that the Mavs do everything they can to keep him there and keep him happy and keep you know, young talent around him. Yeah. Um, Cause that obviously makes things way more fun. I mean, Dirk had some bad years towards the end where we just didn't have um, the money or the guys, you know, that, that he was used to playing with the caliber, not that I'm knocking them, but it just, they, he didn't have the, the go-tos that he did for like the first half of his career. And so I hope that Luca is, is surrounded with players that, um, that are thrilled to play with him and that, um, we'll we'll compliment him. Yeah, for sure. And you see that it's in today's game where free agency in itself is just crazy. Like it's more of like players can decide where they want to go to. They're demanding trades. Just to see somebody spend twenty one seasons with the same team is remarkable. Um, they're on its own uh, for sure. I, I want to talk to you about a scenario or kind of comparison. Mike and I had this before in our previous podcast. I compared Luca. I don't think we've ever seen a, the next Larry bird. Um, I know that's kind of like in your era, but I I see similarities in the game that the Dallas Mavericks, I think obviously they're a great franchise. They're going to do everything in their right to complement him with pieces around him because they kind of give him the keys Mm -hmm. to the franchise. But I see similarities with Larry bird with the shooting, the passing, the ability to get teammates involved and get teammates good look. Do you can you see some yeah, sort of comparison sure. like that, I or mean, is there another? That's always the comparison to anybody that's white. I mean, Dirk got it too. Like when he would go to Boston, mm-hmm. like people always were <laughs> like, "Oh, it's the next Larry," and he wasn't like Larry. I mean, he was in a way that he could shoot, um, but Dirk was much taller and a different kind of build and a different. Um, he was Euro, you know, like so it wasn't it wasn't the same, even though like people put a lot of pressure on, you know, those guys like the next Dirk or the next Kobe or the next, you know, LeBron, whatever it is, like those things happen. And so Dirk got that, you know, that Larry Bird comparison too. I think that you guys are right. I think Luca is way more um, similar to, to Larry than, than Dirk because of the way that he can create um, and pass and Dirk, God love him, like, he was not an assistant. Right. Like, he was not a right. great passer. <laughs> um, right. He wanted the pass. He didn't right. want to pass it, you know. So, Luca can see that. He's got a really beautiful court vision. And um, and I I was really lucky to, to see Steve Nash play for a long time and Jason Kidd play. And so, I love um, that about Luca. Like, if he's not um, – you know, open are going to take it. Like he can find other people and it's fun. It's flashy. And, and he knows to like razzmatazz and you can see that in him um, during games where the crowd is just like super fired up because of him, you know, and he knows how to like um, milk it, you know? And I think that's great. Like we need players like that in the league that are just excited to be out there. And he is. Yeah, he is. I don't know where you got the the James Harden thing. Man. Yeah, man. Where did I, that come from? I don't. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's been crazy. Um, it, it, it broke you up there, Seb. You still here? 
Okay, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, um, yes, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, Luca, Luca, Luca is very special, man. He's 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 doing crazy things, and because the aspect that that you bring, you you tell me about as far as him making it a fun environment on the court for everybody is what makes this team, in my opinion, a very dangerous team in this NBA bubble against anybody in the Western Conference. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, for sure, it's it's so wide open too because of COVID, like. You don't take three months off. I mean, not three months, like people were working out, but like, you know, not practicing or playing with each other for three months. And then, you know, reconvening, having a couple um, practices, a week of practices, and then going to Orlando it is just going to be like, um, it's like a, I don't know, a different chapter of the same season. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Mavs were seventh going into this, but it's totally wide open oh, yeah. now. <laughs> It's so it's so exciting, um, right? And it's great because you know there are no case, no new cases of COVID, and so whatever the NBA is doing is working. Um, even though it's it's crazy to imagine, you know, being in this bubble for two plus months away from your friends and family, but like it's working, and so that's awesome. Like everybody gets NBA in you know the latter half of the summer. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's definitely pretty cool. Um, I have a quick question for you here, and, and you're probably the one to ask. Um, Dallas has a unique way of getting – I think diversity is something that they like. You get a guy later on in his career like Vince Carter. Obviously, he's not Canadian, but has that Canadian uh, tradition in, in, in him. You have a guy like Dirk from Germany. Chris Stapps is from another European nation, as well as Luca. You have J.J. Barea, a guy that's been there for a while from Puerto Rico. So um, I see this unity and this diversity of where Dallas, you know, as a, as a franchise, they kind of embrace that role. Um, what do you I've always loved that. that. That was my favorite thing about working for the Mavs is that we had people from like all walks of life. And um, and it was cool to see everybody kind of come to, together um, despite, you know, their, their backgrounds. And um, our GM, Donnie Nelson, always had um, a big presence internationally and had been um, linked up with um, the Chinese national team. And um, he was with the Lithuanian team. He coached them for years and years. And his dad, Don Nelson, was – um, you know, had a lot of international flavor like players back in his day when he coached. And so it just kind of came naturally to the Nelsons. Um, and um, they've always embraced like those internet, like they, I remember when Maxi Kleber, who's on our, our team now, he is also from Germany and like he looked up to Dirk and then ended up playing, you know, with the Mavs and with Dirk. And he, they can always find these guys that, maybe a little bit of a diamond in the rough um, and bring them over. And, and it works out a lot. I mean, not always, but it, it does work. And it's really cool to see um, a roster that's um, got a lot of different like international flair. And so for my job, I wasn't working with just the local media or the national media. I was working with international media all the time. So we would have people coming in, you know, from Mexico or Puerto Rico or Germany or Slovenia or Latvia um, all the time. I mean, it was so cool to interact with people, you know, that were, you know, from a different part of the world. It was really a neat experience that um, that you get with a team that is um, so international. And not all NBA teams are like that. We were typically one of the um, the leaders as far as, like, countries go on a roster for whatever reason the Mavs always always have been and so I always loved that part of my job is is interacting with you know different kinds of cultures and and uh, we've got you know regular folks from Wisconsin and Indiana and California you know on our team too but you know half of our roster a lot of times would be um, like even Dwight Powell on on the Mavs is Canadian and so like we had a little bit of everything it was really um, it was really cool Definitely for sure. I know potlucks when everybody had to bring yeah, something right? must have been real good. So <laughs> next part, make sure oh, you, yeah. you bring us uh, some invites <laughs> to be there for sure. Um, we could ramble on for such a long time, but I want to take a short break here and come back and kind of uh, kind of have something, a little activity with you, a little game uh, when we get back. So we'll talk to you. Cool. Then. 
back on a little circle. back here on the Sevi podcast radio show we've got sarah again back with us on this segment uh here and we want to do something a little bit unconventional we haven't done this mike so we want to play a game and we'll give you a scenario or maybe ask you some questions and uh we want to get uh, your thoughts and response on that so throughout quarantine we've been in this quarantine for a while for maybe about four months now but what has been your go-to snack or your go-to meal um throughout this hike oh i love that question that's fun um my go-to snack is probably veggies and hummus or like those pretzel chips and hummus oh okay you got me hungry now (laughs) (laughs) all right as in terms of um bench watching anything in particular like shows movies We've had a lot of time to do that, um, obviously. But is there anything in particular, maybe a documentary or two? Oh, my gosh. My husband and I have gotten after it. We um, started Breaking Bad and finished that in two weeks. Never saw that before. Then we started Better Call Saul, finished that. And so we're caught up to, like, real time on that. Um, I just watched um, the third season of Ozark. I watched... Mm. um, that's oh, good. So good. I don't think people know. I don't think people know how much how good. The- I haven't it's watched amazing. it. Amazing. It's so it. good. The Ozarks is so it, it starts off really bad, but it really picks yeah, up. Yeah, the first it episode really I was up. like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this show. And then oh I'm obsessed with it. Julia Garner is like so fabulous. Um Ruth's character. I love her so much. Um yeah. Wait, is that the girl with the curly blonde that- hair? She's Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. She, yeah, like yeah, she's a baller. Her. Like she is like one of the greatest characters ever written. I mean, like to be able to deliver her lines, I just think she is so cool. Um, so I watched that. I watched Downton Abbey. I'd always wanted to watch that show. Um, watched that, and I just finished watching a oh the big little or no little fires everywhere. Mm. Um and. A uh, show on Hulu that Padma from Top Chef did on like, um, it's called like Cooking America, which was awesome. Um, it's like all these episodes about American cooking, how we've um, gotten roots from like all sorts of different cultures. So like, um, Ooh, it's so it's a- awesome. Like you know whether it's German or Mexican or um, you know African, like whatever these like little pockets of our world have become like American staples or Thai or pokey like things that we eat all the time that we don't even realize like you know why do we eat this like how did these people come here to this country and create a life for themselves and like um, develop their food into like mainstream society that was a really cool show too mm. so I've watched a lot of TV <laughs> what was the name of that last show again oh yeah I, I sensed that I sensed that what was the name of that last I show I think it's called um, Cooking America Cooking America okay and, um, Padma Lakshmi, that's the um, the Indian host on Top Chef. She's amazing um, on that. I love that show anyways. I love cooking shows. So um, I loved it. I thought it was really well done. It's like 10 episodes, but it's really um, it's really cool. I thought she did a great job. So yeah, those are my shows. I'm sure that there's some other series in there that I'm not even thinking of, but uh, my husband and I can binge. We'll look at each other and we're like, one more. And it's like one thirty in the morning and we'll watch another hour show because we get so wow. excited to watch it. So wow. maybe I need I need a couple of lists from you because <laughs> you got all the shows. Have you watched Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? Have you guys watched that? No, I, I haven't nope. seen it. But I heard Breaking Bad is good. It's I've heard of, I've heard good things. Insane. Yeah. And so that's like six seasons and then Better Call Saul was five, which is like the prequel in a way to Breaking Bad so those are like some of the best binge watching television that's out there and I mean I just I can't stop thinking about like those shows it's like watching um, Ray Donovan I did the same thing for that I don't know if you've ever watched that but the first couple seasons of that like mm-hmm. you feel like you know these characters like they're your next door neighbors or something so when you watch it that much 
I love I love to binge a show. It's so fun. Right, you got me sold on on that food oh, yeah. one. Oh yeah, I've been looking into that one. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I'm vegetarian, so maybe certain things I can't eat, but like you got me sold on that. Oh, you'll love really it. Pick- it's so well done. Right. Although I, I am interested, you didn't mention the Last Dance. I thought that would be oh, one. Oh yeah, that I watched that be- too. Sorry, totally. Um, I watched that. <laughs> I, um, I loved it. I I was a late starter on it. Um, because it obviously like drums up so many memories, but like all these people that are interviewed um, still work for the Bulls and I knew them. So like I knew once I started it, it would be, you know, quite a trip down memory lane and I would have to pause it over and over and over to tell my husband like backstories on, you know, the PR director for the Bulls or the ticket guy for the Bulls, like blah, 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 blah. Like I've known these people for so long and, you know, some of the athletes too, but mostly just the like, the NBA staff and um, the Bulls staff, they still are there and they're my, they're my dear friends, you know? So that was, that was really fun. And I just watched um, the 30 for 30 with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, like mm. long gone. Yeah, that, was a good one. that was yeah, great. That was a real good one. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was great. That was a really good one too. I, I found interesting that the opposing pitchers were just giving them like pitches in the, in the zone just to hit just to hit the home runs. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Like, yeah, they didn't but... walk them so much. Like, they got pitched, yeah. too. I remember that so yeah. well. I was in college during the time, and I I love both of them. I mean, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and so everybody is a Cubs fan where I'm from. Everybody. So I right. grew up watching the Cubs, and they were so bad for so long. And then that year was so exciting. And then I just always liked Mark McGuire, too. So that was that was fun super fun but yeah i really like that 30 for 32 give us a list of five um people in in no particular order but if you're your dream conversation you're having dinner with these five people who would they be any anybody in particular it doesn't have to be in a specific order or anything oh my gosh wow okay you might make me cry on this one but um my husband never got to be my mom so um I would love to have the opportunity for like my mom and my husband and my sister and my uncle who was like a father figure to me my mom's brother all to have dinner I mean I I'm not aiming for anybody more than that like that would be like the greatest thrill of my life Wow. So no celebrities, no, no actors, actresses, no. nothing at all. No. I mean, the only other person that I could put in that mix would be George Michael. Like, I've been obsessed with him since I was, like, five years old. So if George wanted to join our dinner party, like, that would be awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, and um, next question here is, uh, if you were in Mark's role now, if you were GM for the Mavericks and Obviously, there could be any player right now in the free agency market that would be open. We're talking LeBron, Kawhi, um, you know, Anthony Davis, anybody in their prime. Which free agent would you want to play for the Mavericks? You try to get. I don't know. I mean, right now they are sitting pretty with Kristaps and Luca. I think that there's a lot of teams that would be like eyeballing Luca. So young up-and-comer like hopefully cornerstone pieces um they're in good shape now I don't know there's like not a traditional big anymore and Kristaps is big he's seven two or something he's so long like a string bean so they probably need a little (laughs) muscle you know like a, a, a bigger bodied guy more like LeBron but I don't know if LeBron would be the the answer you know like I don't know if Kawhi would either. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think LeBron and Luka would work. Maybe. You know? Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. You don't I don't think so one basketball. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> right, but, but they share the basketball. I would think that that would, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. It's like Golden State when they had all those guys. Like, there's only one ball, you know, how are, like, Clay and Steph and Draymond and blah, blah, blah. Like, you have to have everything work so, like, so perfectly you know and Steve Kerr probably is that glue for that team you know like to manage all that personality um so I don't know I I think the Mavs are in in good shape they they may need a little bit of muscle so I'll just say that like they they need more like 
I don't know. And Dwight Powell was was really good. And then he hurt, got himself hurt this year. So he was a good, um, you know, bigger bodied guy. Um, but yeah, like a defensive presence um, because that's the the one knock on Europeans, right? Like they don't they don't play defense. She's basically <laughs> throwing shade and wants Tyson Chandler back from Houston. Yeah, exactly. Give me Tyson yeah. any day. I mean, that guy, not, I mean, he's a fabulous basketball player, um, but he's one of the nicest human beings ever. Love him. Right, right. You can go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. It's, uh, one thing One thing I have noticed in the league um, is that, um, you know, who, who would be who would be your top five players in the league right now? Uh, and, and, and from one to five. For me to to pick, yeah. well, I'll, I'll definitely say Luca. Um, obviously, I, I love him. Um, I surprise, yeah, shocker. <laughs> um, I mean, you have to say LeBron. You have to say, um, I'd say Anthony Davis. I would LeBron. say, um, I'm not a big James Harden fan. I'm sorry, sorry, James. Um, I love Russell um, Westbrook. I okay. think he's awesome. I'll say him, and I'm forgetting somebody that I can't think of. Oh, Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Easy. Done. Yeah. Well, Steph no, Curry. Uh, no, no Kawhi Leonard? I like him. Yeah. I just – I love Russell because I got to work with him okay. in the finals in 2012, and I think that he is like – he's a lightning rod. But He is. I yeah. dig him. I think he's cool. Gotcha. Okay. Right, right. This was this was great, and we were pleased to have you on the show. We'd definitely like you to um, to join us back in uh, future episodes. There for sure, with everything that you enlightened us tonight, and um, you know, just Mavs ball in particular. And we're excited to have you on um, as one of our correspondents for that. So, we awesome. appreciate no, that. it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No doubt, no doubt at all. And if you want to listen to our podcast and. Sarah as well, we'll go ahead and obviously reach out to her via LinkedIn and others as well. So um, thanks for having us tonight. Thank you, guys. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight. If you enjoyed this show and frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SevyPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.